continuing in our sermon series, God's Purposes for His People. Looking at specifically worship. And today we're looking at singing praises to the Lord. Our passage this morning is Psalm 150, as we've already sung. It's the last song in the Psalter. It's a doxology of sorts. And it summarizes many of the Psalms' major themes, such as worship. So let us now read together from God's holy, inerrant, inspired, and authoritative word from Psalm 150. This is the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, holy and almighty God, please open our hearts and open our minds that we may hear Your Word declared. We may understand who You are and what You have done. That we may see our sin and declare You righteous. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now there are many different... Oh, children who are um, deciding... Or just, Children whose parents want them to attend Stepping Stones are now dismissed. Now, there are many different types of instruments in this world, from an accordion to a xylophone. Yes, and some of you can play all of those things. Some of them at the same time, I've seen it. Others, like myself, we can't play any extra bodily instruments whatsoever. Yet, God has created us with a voice, the most powerful instrument known to man. Now, some of us may have a voice that's better trained than others. Some of us may actually use it more than others. But this is God's gift to humanity, to sing praises to their King, regardless of the quality of our voice. As we saw last week in Exodus 19, we are to worship the Lord, and one of these aspects of worshiping the Lord is to sing the Word of God. Now, this doesn't just mean to sing passages of Scripture. And as we've seen already this morning, we have done that. We've sang the psalm we're reading, and we're actually going to sing it again at the end of the service. But that's not all that we can sing. We are to sing praises to the Lord. For we are to sing about, um, to Him. We are to sing about Him, and we are sing, to sing to the glory of the Lord. Let's look at our first passage this morning. Singing praises to the Lord, which we see in verses 1 to 6. It reads this Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. Now, the attitude um, of this psalm, it can be felt from the first sentence, even just in the first word. Praise the Lord. Or, in other words, another way it's translated is Hallelujah. From the onset, we see that God is calling us to praise Him. It is a joyful command. Yet it's still a command. We, we as a culture, we love to give shouts and, and chants and praises to people who deserve it. Go to any sporting event and you will hear chants of like, let's go defense or something similar. 
Actually, the last time I was at a DC United game, the whole crowd cheered and moved their bodies in unison. It was truly a unique experience. Everyone in the crowd was happy to be there, to cheer on their team in hopes to bring them victory and that they could all share in the experience together. Now, when the game ends, so do the chants. Now, some people do end up chanting as they leave the stadium or as they walk down the street, but that's, they're not joined by other people. And actually, usually when that happens, they're looked at strangely. The command that God gives us to praise the Lord is one that is not tied to a specific time and place, unlike the DC United chants. It's an everlasting command, like keeping the Sabbath day holy. We are to praise Him as long as He deserves the glory, as long as He deserves the honor, as long as the praise is due His name, which is forever. Now, with sports chants, people, they're, they're chanting at the players. And in similar fashion, we are to sing praises to the Lord. Yet, where is the Lord? We see in the second half of the first verse, the answer. We are to sing praises to the Lord in His sanctuary. Our praises are to be aimed at where He is at. Now, this verse is not saying that we need to tilt our heads upwards as we sing or that we are to have our head bowed in reverence, but rather it is a mental position that we are to aim our praises not at the people who are leading you on this podium or on this stage, but rather we are to be aiming at the throne of God as you would in prayer to Him. Remember, the Psalms, they are prayers. They are prayers to be sung to God. But when will these praises end? We see that in the last part of this first verse. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Or even better translated, praise Him in the firmament of His power. Now this is not meaning a specific place, but it's symbolic of eternity. Praising God from the moment of creation until the end of time even when we are facing judgment at His throne. For as we see in Revelation 5, praises will be sung. It says this in Revelation 5, To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory forever. We also see this, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Or at the throne, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise will be given to God for all eternity, even by those who reject Him now. That is how powerful, that is how long-lasting this command is. We see this also in verse 6. It says this, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. This command is not only aimed at worship, but we should also see this in evangelism as well. For to praise the Lord in such a way that we share the gospel with others, that they may praise Him on this side of eternity. So when they call on Him in worship, in spirit and in truth now, and praise Him 
forever in heaven. So I encourage you, share the gospel with others so that they may join in the praise. Invite them to come to worship here with us this morning and in other mornings as well so they can praise Him, declaring the word of the Lord. This command is also aimed at everyone, not just people who can sing well, as I mentioned before, but everything that has breath is commanded to sing. For the Lord, He is not concerned with the quality of our voices, but the act of singing praise to Him in reverent joy. For we are just not experiencing the praises that are being sung around you. We are actually to do so ourselves. In the same vein, I have seen so many churches, they've changed the title of their worship service to a worship experience. This changes the whole idea of what Scripture commands. Worship is not an experience. Worship is a sacred duty to praise the Lord according to His Word. Now, this does not mean that our worship should be devoid of emotion. Of course not. We are to be reverent and joyful as we praise the Lord, as we'll see in just a few minutes. However, when we worship, especially in the corporate context, like we're doing so now, it is dual-focused. We are worshiping alongside others as we worship God Himself. Now, this I know it sounds like I'm splitting hairs, but the idea here is important. When you are at a concert, you are seeing, you are listening, and possibly singing along with the musician. He or she, they're performing for you. They're not explicitly leading you in singing. Thus, you are experiencing the music live, rather than hearing a recording. When we worship, the dynamic is totally different. The musician or the worship leader he, is being, he or she is being the lead worshiper. You are not experiencing the worship. You are participating in it. This is the crux of the idea. Our passage this morning is not calling you to experience worship, but to participate, to do so, to be done in a group or individually. Regardless of the context of the worship, the point is clear. A follower of Scripture is to sing praises to the Lord for he is worthy of worship. Be a worshiper, not just an experiencer. Not only is this important for us to understand our role in the worship of God as he is our creator and we are his creation, but we also know, must know what are we to sing about? What are we to declare in worship to the Lord? The next verse in our passage, it shows us two large categories concerning the content of our praise, praising God for His mighty deeds and His character. Let's look at the first part of verse 2. It reads this, Praise Him for His mighty deeds. What has God done? Now this is not a simple question to answer. For God's Word, it's so rich in His deeds, what He has done. From Genesis to Revelation, we see His acts of love. For example, in Genesis 1, we see that God created the heavens and the earth. In Genesis 2, we see that God created man and women after His own image, after His likeness, and gave them a law to obey. In Genesis 3, we see that man failed to keep the law. 
Yet God made a promise to save His people from the punishment of breaking the law, the punishment of their sin by sending a Savior. Now let's skip ahead a little bit to Noah. God demonstrated His mighty wrath and His mighty grace by sending a worldwide flood to destroy and remake His creation. He also commanded Noah to build an ark, which would be him and his family's salvation. He also made a promise with Abraham to make him the father of his chosen people. And he fulfilled that promise and made them a blessing to the world. God kept this promise with Moses and he gave his people the law so that they would know their sin and to live according to his righteousness. Then he kept his promise with David and brought about a physical kingdom here on earth in the land that he promised. God also renewed and explained that how he would send a Savior, how he would be the king of all and from the line of David. All of these promises made, all of these promises kept, these are just highlights of his mighty deeds. Yet the greatest deed that God has ever done was the fulfillment of His first promise in the garden. The promise that He made with Adam and Eve. That He would send one to be the Savior of the world. To free us from slavery to sin. And God did that. Not just in the way that anyone expected or even the way that anyone wanted. He did something greater. God sent Himself. He sent the second part of the Trinity, the Son, Jesus, to be the Savior of sin. To live a perfect life. To die the perfect sacrificial death. And to be risen from the grave on the third day to bring glory to God the Father. And so that anyone who believes in Jesus will have eternal life and be forgiven of their sin. This is the reason to praise God for all eternity. For the love that He showed. For the work of grace that He accomplished. This is the greatest deed that He has ever done. The love that He shared, the wrath that He spared, and the people He cares for. Praise be to God, for He is worthy of praise. If that is not enough reasons to praise God, though, in the second half of verse 2, the psalmist points to the attributes of God. Or in other words, the character of God of God as another reason to sing praises to him it says this praise him according to his excellent greatness now if you do a study of the attributes of God you would see that there are two types of attributes two big categories meaning the attributes that are incommunicable ones that um, we don't share with God and communicable attributes the ones that we do share with him Now, as some of his communicable attributes are love, goodness, kindness. We see these attributes um, are sung about a lot, like we sung about this morning, for they're easy for us to understand. We see them in ourselves. We see them in in nature. But we sing praise to God for these attributes, for in Him they are made perfect. In Him they are made perfect. We see this in 1 Corinthians 13 with the concept of love, His attribute of that. For God is the definition of love. And we are to seek to imitate that, yet only in a flawed manner. 
because in him it is made perfect. Now the Puritan Thomas Watson, in his book, All Things for Good, he shows us that God's love and His goodness can be best seen in His grace. That if you are a lover of God, you must respond to His attributes by living as an example of His communicable attributes here on earth. That our love for Him and our love for others should be sincere, should be fervent, and should be active. For that is how God loves us. So when we praise God, we must sing praises of His perfect love for us. Praising Him for the sincerity of His love for us. Praise Him how He sought after us. And how He continues to love us. Even when we don't love Him as we should. Praise be to God for loving the world and commanding us to love others. With regard to God's incommunicable attributes, ones that He does not share with us, it can be harder for us to understand them. But these are some of His attributes that God is omnipotent, that meaning He is all-powerful. God is also omniscient, meaning that He knows everything past, present, and future. God is also omnipresent, meaning that He is all in He is um, always present in all places, but is not all not in all things. God is also eternal, meaning that He has always existed. He is everlasting, meaning that God has no beginning and He has no end. He is also, and here's the one most important one, He is immutable, meaning that God is perfect and complete. For God will not change. And praise be to God for that. For He is the one true God. It is unchanging, not only in who He is, but what He has commanded. Praising Him in an unchanging way, according to His Word, according to His excellent greatness, by praising for who He is and what He has done. His everlasting goodness, His unfailing greatness. With all that said, how are we to praise God in this manner? How are we to apply this to our lives? When you are singing praises to God at church or at home, maybe even listening to the radio at work or even in the car, think about what you are singing. Is the song that you are singing actually praising God? Or are you singing tongue-in-cheek praises about yourself? Or praises about the world? Not only that, ask your question to yourself, is what you're singing an accurate reflection of what you believe and what God's Word teaches? For there are many songs that are sung in praise that are not theologically correct. In fact, they are singing heresy. That's not a word that I throw around lightly. Maybe you're thinking, why does this matter? It's only a song. Let's think back to the first verse. Who are we singing praises to? We are singing praise to the Lord, to our God, to our Creator. He is the object of our praise, not ourselves. It is God, and it doesn't matter if we think that a song praising Him is good, but rather, does God enjoy the praises that we are singing to Him? 
Is what we are singing bringing Him glory? Now, I'm not advocating here that you should forsake songs that are on the radio or even forsake hymns and sing only exclusive psalmody. I'm not arguing that in the least. All I am saying here is that we must sing songs that actually reflect what God's Word is teaching, which we're going to see in verses 3 to 5. No matter if we're here at Harvester, no matter if you're at, in your school, if you're at your, or in your car with your friends, or singing while at home, worshiping Him wherever and wherever you may be, sing praises to God according to His Word. We see this plainly in Scripture. Not only here, but in the first four commandments. For they were given to us to govern our worship of God. And if a song is not according to God's Word, if it disagrees with it, if it goes against who God is and what He has done, if it teaches false doctrine, or if it is man-focused instead of God-focused, then it needs to be tossed on the scrap heap of history. For it should not be sung in worship of God. Regardless of how it makes us feel. Regardless of how great the beat is, or who the artist is, or how cool and hip it is. God is to be worshipped according to His Word. So when you, are, when you are singing, when you are desiring to praise God according to His Word, read His Word to see if it agrees with it. Now as we turn to verses 3-5, to five, these verses, they not only show the content, uh, they show not the content of our praise as we just saw, but the types of praises that we should give to God. These verses, they say this, Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. In these verses, we see a couple of groups. Groups of instruments that serve different purposes. A trumpet, a lute, the harp. These were instruments that were used to call people to corporate worship in the temple. And they were the ones that, the instruments that were used in that worship. This reminds us that our praises should be reverent. For we see in Scripture that God desires our worship of Him to be reverent. A great example of this can be found in Leviticus 10. As we see the account of Nadab and Abihu. They were sons of Aaron, the high priest, who we saw last week in Exodus 19 when Aaron and his brother Moses went up on Mount Sinai for God to reveal Himself to them. Nadab and Abihu, they were also priests. And instead of worshiping God as He commanded, they offered unauthorized fire. They, author they did that before the Lord. And because of this, God struck them dead. Not a warning, not a chastisement, but dead. This stresses the importance of our reverence in worship. One commentator stated it this way, we are to come before the Lord with a reverent attitude, remembering who He is and who we are. But our intent to worship God reverently means little if we worship Him contrary to His commands. To show true reverence to God is to remember that He is the lawgiver. And those who are truly reverent do whatever He commands. Not adding to it or subtracting to it. 
our praises, they must do the same. John Calvin suggests that Nadab and Abihu were not um, intending to be irreverent, but they were actually irreverent by not worshiping God according to his prescriptions. We may think that we are doing well, but if our, um, but if our particular worship practice is, not, is contrary, is not according to biblical principles, we are in danger of offending the Lord and reaping disastrous consequences. Therefore, our worship of God must be reverent. Now, it doesn't mean that it should be devoid of passion. I know a lot of things that I've been saying before are saying this sermon have sounded like it's supposed to be drab, but that is not the case. Rather, it is to be holy, to be set apart for God as He has taught us in His Word, and not to be just thrown together as we see fit. This is a high and sometimes difficult calling for us, for we like to do things our own way. But we see from the example of Nadab and Abihu, the consequences can be deadly. So praise God reverently, and as we see, we'll see in a few moments, joyfully. Now these second group of instruments are the tambourine, the strings, the pipe, and cymbals. Now these weren't used um, in the time of the corporate worship in the temple. These were used informally to sing praises to God. Or in other words, to be done in a lifestyle of worship. Now this is not contrary to the previous point, but alongside it. For we can worship God reverently outside the walls of the corporate worship service. For we can sing praises to God in our daily lives. Our worship cannot be contained by these walls in here. Nor should they. It must be a daily aspect of our existence. I see this in the example of my daughters all the time. During the day, they are playing either by themselves or with, with their sisters. And every so often, if I'm very quiet, I will hear one of them singing a hymn. Something that's on their mind, that's came to them as they are playing. It's not sung for my ears, though. It's sung for a different audience, an audience of one. God Himself. Their desire to praise Him even when it is not a set time for worship. Children, we see this in children all the time. And we must reclaim this passion. We must reclaim this desire as part of our daily routines. For especially if you're an adult, we get stuck in our daily routines. We do things exactly the same way every time. Yet when God shows us in our daily life something that is great about Him, that is deserving of praise, we should respond in kind and sing praises to Him. We should seek to praise Him even in the small things, for God not only is the Creator of the universe and everything in it, He is also the one who loves you and shows His love for you in the small moments of your daily life. Praise Him for both large, big moments like creation and also the small moments in your life, whatever they may be, because He is worthy of praise. He is deserving of praise. Additionally, all of these instruments are played in a joyful manner. Even the last part of verse 5 is better translated from the Hebrew as joyful instead of clashing. Meaning this verse actually says, um, or actually means praising Him joyfully with symbols. 
instead of clashing. Emphasizing that our praise, our praise should not only be reverent, but joyful. Meaning that we should be jubilant. We should be excited, singing praises to Him. For we should be glad. God has revealed Himself to us. God has done His great and mighty deeds for us. We should praise Him for who He is and what He has done. For God has given us the greatest news in the world, that He sent Jesus as the Savior of sinners. He saved a wretch like me, and praise be to God for the love that He has shown. Now, does this mean that we are to be happy all the time, having a smile on our face? No. There are, there are hard times that come into our lives. But even in the darkest days, when everything has gone wrong, when we are all alone, when we have the dark night of the soul like Jonah had in the belly of the big fish, we can still praise God. We can still be joyful. For praising God is not only an act that we must do when we're happy, but all of the time. A great example of this is from the famous Scottish pastor Robert Balmer. When, when Robert was 10, um, his father died, leaving behind Robert, his mother, and his siblings. And on the evening of his father's death, Robert, he got out the worship books, which he did every evening for family worship. And as he was passing by the place where they had their family worship, his mother looks at him and asks him, why are you doing this today of all days? And Robert answered it in this way, and this has always stuck with me. The God who has taken away my father, he will be a father to us just as he has promised. He will hear our prayers and we must not go to bed tonight without worshiping him. For he is our God and we must worship him no matter how we feel tonight. This is the attitude that we must have of worship. To praise God even when He is hiding His face from us. We must rest in the grace of God, trusting in Him, worshiping Him, no matter the circumstance. Praising Him by singing His Word. Whether we are sad, whether we are in distress, or whether we are happy, we can sing in joy because of who God is. For He is our Creator, and we are His creation. Worship is a sacred duty not just an experience for us to have to make us happy. For it is all about Him. For we are commanded to worship Him as we see again at the end of this psalm in verse 6. Praise the Lord. Praise to the Lord that He commands us to praise Him in the manner that He created us. With His voice. For just as God spoke the world into existence, we must respond by singing praises to Him for His glory now and forevermore. Praise be to God. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, holy and almighty God, Father, You are worthy of praise for who You are and what You have done. Father, please create in us an insatiable desire to praise Your name at all times in our lives, no matter what we may be going through, Father. For You are worthy of praise. You are the one who loves us. You are the one who knows us. 
And you are sovereign over all. Father, please help us to have this desire to praise your name, to sing praises to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said before, we are going to respond, which is an appropriate response to reading this passage, this psalm, by singing what we have just read. Let us stand and sing um, praise to the Lord in his temple. Sing nice and loud. Praise the Lord God in his temple. Praise him in his firmament. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his excellence. Praise him with the sound of trumpets. Praise him with the harp and lute. Praise with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. With loud cymbals praise accord. All with life and breath now praise him. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Now we come to our time of um, praying for prayer requests. I have a couple of them. Uh, first, Janet Gents has asked um, that we pray for protection of civilians in the Ukraine and to and an end for the war, and to praise the Lord that uh, to pray for the Lord to be glorified in everything we do at Harvester. Also, from the Malums, that we pray for those college students who are about to be taking finals, for peace and ability to focus on what they have learned, to pray for traveling mercies as they travel home. Also, to pray for Ike, who is at home from the hospital, but has to go back on dialysis while still awaiting a kidney donor. I'm sure there's none others. All right, let's go before, the God, we'll go before God in prayer. Heavenly Father, holy and almighty God, we thank you for letting us come before you in worship. We thank you for letting us come before you in praise and to pray to you, Father. For not only do you hear us, you answer our prayers. And Father, thank you for that. Father, we, we lift up um, all the civilians in the Ukraine, Father, and we pray for their protection and we pray for an end to the war. Father, we also pray that you would be glorified in everything we do at Harvester, Father. That we would um, not only grow in our love of you, but we would also go out and share the word, your gospel, with those in this community. That we may see a time of not only renewal, but revival. And that many would turn to you. Father, we also lift up um, the college students who are taking finals. And for, for um, all children who are or who are in school finishing up um, their exams and tests and papers, Father. Father, we pray that they would have the ability to focus on what they have learned and to, um, to be safe as they travel home. Father, we also lift up um, Ike, who is, who is um, home from the hospital, but has to go back on dialysis. 
Father, we pray that you would give him a kidney donor, Father, and that you would heal him um, as he as he um as he has this problem, Father, and that you would be glorified in all these things. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, before we before we close this morning, we have just a few announcements. Um, just as a reminder, we have children's Sunday school um, at the end of this service, but we are not having adult Sunday school. Um, for we are having a potluck. Um, is that noon, we said? Yes, the potluck is going to be at noon in here. Um, for the adult Sunday school, we're going to be taking down the chairs and setting, setting everything up. Um, but the potluck will be happening at noon in here. Um, also, LifeQuest. Um, LifeQuest will be having tonight at 5.30. Um, we will not be having LifeQuest next week because of Mother's Day. Um, also, if you have not gotten your, co- your new copy of the church directory, um, it is in the narthex. It is very hard to miss. It is yellow, nice and bright yellow. Um, please pick it up. Um, also, um, for our summer Bible camp this year, we are doing Zoomerang, um, which is we're going to be experiencing God's Word in the Australian Outback. Um, it is going to be August 1st through 5th from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. If you have any questions, please talk to me or Emily Kriebel. Um, that is all the announcements, so let's stand and receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Go in peace.